Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to welcome back to the show, Melissa Steganis. She was on the show earlier this year talking about self-care and work. This time, she's talking about her brand new book, Everyday Mindfulness, 108 Simple Practices to Empower Yourself and Transform Your Life. And so, as you can guess, the topic of this conversation is mindfulness. In this conversation, we talk about what mindfulness is, what our personal definitions for that word are, and the benefits of being mindful, especially at this time of year. I wanted to have Melissa on to talk about mindfulness, especially right now as we wrap up this year that has been 2020. We're going to talk about six areas in our life where mindfulness is important, physical, emotional, rational, spiritual, occupational, and networking. And then we dive in a little bit into some of the exercises in the book to illustrate and illuminate how that process of going through those exercises can work in those areas of your life. So this is definitely one to relax with, close the year out with, and I hope that this is going to really help you close out your 2020 in a better way than we started it. So enjoy this conversation with Melissa Steganis. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back to the show, Melissa Steganis. Melissa, welcome back. It is great to be here. Thank you so much for having me yet again. Yeah, well, I knew I had to have you back, and I was glad to hear you were going to have a new book out, which, I mean, you were on the you were on the show earlier this year, and then with a new book, and then when I knew what it was, I said, well, this is kind of sounding kind of perfect to round out the year slash help people close out the year well. Everyday mindfulness, 108 simple practices to empower yourself and transform your life. And keyword here, mindfulness. And uh, you and I were talking pre-recording, you know, how our year has been and how our next year has been or will be, I guess I should say, <laughs> how, how, 20, how we want 2021 to be. And for me, that key word is mindfulness, um, not just what I've been wrestling with, struggling with, 
becoming as I am meta very much. So, uh, aware of my mindfulness or lack thereof in places. And so this is a great book hitting on exactly the right thing at the right time, not just for me, but for a lot of people listening in. I'm so glad to hear that. This book has been in the works for uh, a number of years now, and it's very exciting, obviously, to be able now to hold it in my hands, to talk to you about it, to share with others, you know, what I've learned over the years about mindfulness, what it means, what it really looks like in practice, because I feel like we're getting more and more acquainted with and comfortable with this term, but it's important to be able to unpack it for yourself. And I love that. I mean, you've mentioned, and as we were chatting just before we started recording, we kept using the word intention. And with everything that you know, we've experienced this year and really at any given point, there is that need for intention for being aware of how you're spending your time and energy. You know, like I say, your most precious resources and how you want to spend your time and energy, where you want to invest those resources and how you want to invest in yourself, in your relationships and in your future. So I feel like it's 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 just great timing, I think, for having a resource that I I can share with people on how to integrate simple practices related to mindfulness, related to awareness and intention into your everyday life. And I'm just I'm so grateful to to have the opportunity to do that and to chat with you about it. Thinking of the word mindfulness and what you know, I want to know what your definition of that word is or what that means to you. But I was trying to think of what mine is. And I kept thinking it's, it's kind of like a an amalgamation of the word uh, awareness, uh, intentionality. Um, it's almost anti-autopilot, though that's not really a, a word. I, th- I think there's some autopilot-ness that is in- incorporated in mindfulness, but also not. And, and we can get right. into that because, again, <laughs> I mean, mindfulness, it's like, no, you're paying attention. To to I guess that's another word attention. Um, mm-hmm. So, but but you know I, I don't have a solid definition, but I'm, I think you may have a more solid you know kind of ethos or def- definition as to what you use. It's a really fun little experiment and word to play with. And I encourage you and, and all those who are listening, you know, jot down some of the ideas that you have around mindfulness, some of those connotations. I, when I'm doing workshops or when I'm chatting with clients, I'll often do a little word association, especially because, you know, my work pairs mindfulness with productivity. And I, I've utilized the term intentional productivity to kind of blend the two within that context. And it's just, it's so fascinating to, to find those, you know, neurological connections that we've built and ideas that we've constructed around the term. So I would say, you know, spend some time, play with it, see what comes up when you think about this word and what other words you associate with it. But I totally agree with you in terms of equating mindfulness to, or drawing the the connection with mindfulness and intention. And my definition is really that mindfulness is about paying attention with intention. And like I've said and written in the book, in the introduction, I think that really powerful things happen when you take a moment and fully observe your thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors and your surroundings, right? Like you you begin to pay attention not only to your thought patterns and your habits, but you start you sort of start to zoom out a little bit and actually see 
yourself and how you interact with your environment, with the world around you. And you kind of begin to get this recognition that, hey, I'm a human. Like there's a person in there in this body that I'm just carrying around while I do all these things and fulfill all my roles and responsibilities. And it's like this this coming back to yourself, you know, and recognizing that you're a person, you're alive, and you have this amazing capacity and potential to to think and feel and exist in this infinite universe filled with, you know, a world of possibilities. And so what I've tried to do in the book and in my work and kind of in my own exploration of that idea of mindfulness is to take this, you know, quite a a big esoteric feeling or concept and find simple ways to kind of tap in to what that means for you or for me and integrate different practices into your everyday life that will connect you to the inner capacity that you have and you know that infinite kind of interconnected web of people and and bigger picture that that you're part of that you're connected to. So, I would say mindfulness really is about intentionality, uh about paying attention, about gaining awareness and really being more deliberate. It's you know that old that saying like live by design versus by default. Mm, yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, I yeah, I feel like that's that's kind of the the idea that that I'm aiming for it's rather than you know kind of feeling like you're reacting to everything you're living passively like you said Eric and everything's kind of moving on autopilot it's recognizing that some things will continue to you know go on autopilot because our brains need to reserve energy in certain activities and areas so that it has the mental cognitive bandwidth for others, but really trying to increase your overall attentiveness so that you can become more present and engaged with with your life, with like this amazing, you know, existence. I totally agree. And uh, I, I think one of the things that it really I, I love that you said uh, intentional attention some people might be listening and thinking, well, yeah, it's fine to um you know, live by design versus live by default. But I don't want to design thing. You know, I don't want to be over um, bearing with myself or ultra. You know, you know, I don't want to. Pl- I don't want to play helicopter parent to my own self in my own yeah. life, right? And the thing about that is, is though it's 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 like with other people when they talk about productivity systems and they're like, I can't create a system. It's then it got like lists and rules and it's all so constrictive and it's like no, let all that go. Only mm-hmm. put in as much structure as you can, but realize that having any amount of structure helps you by having some kind of you know structure or scaffolding there to pick up the slack so you don't have to do it all. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it it's helpful. And as this is something I've really realized and been challenged by over the years, because I mean, I've spent a lot of time juggling a number of different things as have and do most people. And I've done my fair share of of traveling too, where the framework just goes right out the window. 
you know, when I was younger, I really prided myself on on living according to this belief that freedom is like rebelling against routine and structure. And then I started working in, you know, personal development and productivity. And I realized that freedom almost requires a framework because the framework is what helps you recognize and stay, you know, aligned with and attuned to and working on what's most effective. And so many times we get, we get caught up with like streamlining all the little things and, and being that helicopter parent to ourselves on the minute details that we forget that we actually need to step back for a second and look at the big picture of what we want, like what's, you know, your mission and your objectives and your priorities rather than just how can you, you know, for instance, make more efficient certain tasks on your to-do list. And so it's almost like the framework is, is like the structure of your home and then everything else is the furniture. And it doesn't really make sense to re, you know, focus on reorganizing the furniture or bringing it in when you don't actually have like walls. You have to have those pillars in, in order to focus on the details and pay attention to the details. Right. So I totally agree with you. I think one of the other things that then might bring it home more for people as they're listening is. The fact that there are components to or areas of uh, focus when it comes to mindfulness. And I know that you list those off and then delve deep into those in terms of the exercises and the activities that you have in the book. One of the things we didn't say was right up front is that the book isn't really a book per se, as much as it is in a lot of ways, a workbook hidden inside of a book, which I think is really cool because it's giving you basically homework and then discovery uh, questions and things like that to do. But they're couched. Those activities are, are broken down into uh, different sections. So I think let's let's name each of these sections and kind of say what each of those realms, you know, covers. Sure. And so let me talk a little bit about the structure of the book of everyday mindfulness, and that will help also shed some light on its intended purpose. So first of all, I mean, the, the purpose of the book and the beauty of the book is to work with the things that you're already or likely already doing. So the idea is that you can keep doing the things that you're already doing, but with that little bit of added attention. So I'm not expecting you to open this book and, you know, within 21 days, three weeks, develop a brand new habit of waking up at five in the morning every day and to go to the gym or whatever, you know, your goals or resolutions are. But the idea is that you'll have 108 days to gradually train your brain to pay closer attention to the activities and practices that you're already doing and already familiar with everything from, you know, taking deep breaths to self-reflection to setting intentional goals based on, you know, those big picture priorities, things like that. So the book is obviously divided into 108 days um, or consists of 108 days, which are divided then into six sections. And each of those sections represents an area of life or a facet of your person. And it actually spells out person. So it's a great mnemonic. So for the first 18 days, the first section is physical. So these exercises will really help you listen to your body so that you can reconnect with yourself. It's almost like, you know, for those who are skeptical or feel like, 
I want to be more mindful. I want to be intentional, but I'm not entirely sure where, where to start. The physical section is a great place to start. Obviously, it's the first section of the book, um, but it will really you know, it will give you something kind of tangible to work with. Like exercise number one is just taking a series of deep breaths so that you're connecting with, you know, a a resource and activity you're already doing, you already have, but just doing it with a little bit of that added attention. So again, section number one is physical and then you're moving on to emotional. And the purpose here is to understand your feelings and really learn to trust them. And I think because so many of us have so many things to do that we often, you know, push ourselves to the bottom of the list, repress our emotions, forget to check in with ourselves or, you know, almost fail to check in with ourselves because we feel overwhelmed. We feel stressed. There's so much going on. And Sometimes it's easier to distract yourself with Netflix or social media or whatever it might be. But this second chapter is really a way to kind of come back to that emotional part of yourself in a way that's hopefully not too intimidating. And then chapter three is rational. So the purpose of this section of the book is really to observe your thought patterns so that you can gain mental clarity on how you think, on what you're worried about, on what you're working towards, things like that. And then section number four is named spiritual, but because I've designed the book to be to be more about self-awareness um, versus, you know, spiritual exploration. It's not exclusive to any belief system. So the spiritual section is really about exploring your relationship with yourself and of what you believe to be true. Within that section, there's exercises about, you know, creating a, a sacred space around you in your home or finding and exploring questions that you have around your spirituality, giving you an opportunity to define that for yourself. And then the next section is occupation. So how to manage your time and energy in a way that helps you pursue your priorities and assess, you know, how you're spending those resources and structure your day to day so that you can really spend more of your resources on the things that matter to you. And then finally, we have the network chapter, which is really about nourishing, identifying and nourishing relationships that bring you joy and that deepen your sense of belonging. So again, all of those um, six sections spells out the word person and it allows you to explore, to play with, you know, each of the 18 exercises in each section. And you can pick what works for you and then come back to it at a later date or expand on it, um, you know, and so on and so forth. And the beauty of each practice of each day, when you flip open the book, it's very simple. Each day is structured in the same way so that you have your title, you know what to, you know, relatively know what to expect when you open up your page and then you have the purpose. So, I think, you know, when we're in high school, we're we're so used to or maybe maybe some of us, maybe the troublemakers we're used to asking the question like, what is this for? Why do I need to know this? (laughs) And now that we're grown up, maybe we don't ask that question as much. You know, what for? So what? What's what's the purpose behind this? And I really wanted to encourage people to be a bit playful and ask that question, like, why do I need to? you know, do this practice. And so 
you're opening up the page, you read the title and you have the purpose right there, or at least, you know, my interpretation of its potential benefits. And of course, there is that structure, there is that framework, and there is the encouragement, like my encouragement to the reader to think of how this might benefit you, like think of your own purpose and your own interpretation. And then below the purpose is the practice itself. So just a simple step-by-step guide to try to reduce the guesswork for you. And then on the very next page are three, maybe three to five, but usually three reflection questions. So like you said, Eric, it's kind of like a little workbook. It's like a mishmash of like a daily practice or devotional mixed in with a journal. And I think that makes it, you know, a, a really valuable resource that hopefully makes mindfulness seem a bit less elusive and a bit more practical. Yeah, I would say that definitely that repeating pattern of daily stepping into awareness, stepping daily into uh, mindfulness. And again, what's funny is, is, and I've picked a couple of different entries here that kind of give a, a good example of this is not something that you you may not be doing this already, but you're probably doing some part of some of these things already. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like immersing you into something completely unknown and other of, you know, in your life right now. You're probably already doing some of this stuff. In fact, in fact, one of the things that, you know, for, for example, I grabbed uh, day three and it's super simple. It's super easy. I'm betting most people are already doing this thing, but maybe not mindfully doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And so day three, the, the title is make and eat breakfast. Right. And, and the thing yeah. is, is that some people are like, Oh, well then what am I going to get out of this book? No, what, what I'm saying is, is that sure. A lot of people want, you know, step one, some people don't eat breakfast and they may have their reasons or they may again, not be being intentional and just skip past it or don't have time or they get something later in the day or they're not, you're not eating a healthy breakfast. That's fine. That's, you know, that's their thing, but it's, it's the being present with the making of it as well as the eating of it that, mm-hmm. that you're getting at. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it, it's not just about incorporating, you know, 108 new practices into your life, because that can feel overwhelming. But it's asking yourself the question, well, how am I doing this? How am I engaging, you know, with this activity? Because I mean, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say a lot of us have the tendency to eat on the go. And What feels like a really small change, if you were to sit at the table, you know, make something small, even if you're just having a cup of coffee, to sit at the table while you have that cup of coffee and maybe you look out the window or maybe you read, you know, the the encouragement in the practice is to set aside your phone and take some time being mindful of the fact that, you know, you're consuming energy, like what you're doing is really fueling your body for the day. And if you even just sit and have breakfast and or have your cup of coffee and have that thought in mind, it really does change the way that you know, you you consume your food and drink. It changes the way that you're starting your day because you're actually just taking even five minutes for yourself. And those five minutes, you know, for that day or for a series of days, if you choose to do that exercise repeatedly can make a huge impact. And the idea with with that practice, that's a great example 
with that practice specifically, and with the majority of the practices in the book, is that they're probably not going to feel completely revolutionary. And that's intentional because I want you to open up the book to whatever page you're on, whatever day you're on, and actually be able to do the practice and with confidence. So it it won't feel revolutionary at the time per se, but with intention and with potentially with repeated practice, it has the capacity, you have the capacity to create that, you know, revolutionary change in your life through that mindful attention and practice. You're not asking people to open up the book, turn to the date that they're on and have it be something like, okay, today, not only are you going to get out and be physical and run five miles and then think (laughs) on that process as you go, you're asking them to to make and eat something first thing in the morning. And mm-hmm. that, and again, the, the point being turn, you know, not with the phone, not with, you know, it, it's, it's in other words, the, the, um, it's the attention to the process, the, the process yeah. of the, the gathering of the food, the, the, the deciding even of the food, the making of the, the prepare, you know, the preparing of the meal and then the eating of the meal. And it's that whole entire front to back end of the process and your involvement in it. And when you were talking about actually earlier, you were talking about the the spiritual aspect. And um, I couldn't help but think that a lot of these activities throughout the entire 108 days can be tied to uh, spiritual practice, even if somebody doesn't have any kind of designated or chosen you know, spiritual belief system that they have. This is mm-hmm. still spiritual in the sense that it's a connection to uh, themselves physically, emotionally, again, rationally, like you're connecting the spiritual one connects all the connects a lot of them actually, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, but point being is that it made me think of when, when uh, like a Japanese tea ceremony that it's not about, Oh, you know, let me go make my tea and then drink right. my tea. It's about the, the, steeping of you know it's the it's the pouring of the water it's the observing the pouring of the water even it's the steeping of the tea and the waiting for it and the patience and the thoughts that you have while you're watching or waiting and then it's the consuming and it's not the gulping it down because you need caffeine real quick it's, yes so it it's the it's again when you said earlier uh intentional attention I think that is such a great definition for mindfulness and, and what's really pulling these very human and simple activities together towards greater mindfulness. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people, or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
what I want to do is say, uh, let's jump over to day 10 because that one actually, it, I mean, it ties right into it. it. It's eating without distraction. And this is something else that I think in, in our current, you know, in our, in our modern day, you know, eating something and then, you know, in other words, hey, let's get takeout food and then we'll go sit down and we'll watch a TV show at home on lunch yeah. hour kind of a thing. You know, I'm guilty of that often, although today, not so much today. I was in the middle of a work thing and I decided, no, I'm going to go up. I, I went and got, I'm, I'm at home. So obviously it wasn't takeout, but like I made some food and I sat at the table by myself and I just ate it. And I did mm-hmm. that because I needed to not stare at something. I, I need, I mean, as relaxing and as much as I love, you know, to take a lunch hour and sit and watch something passive, et cetera, I intentionally sat at the table and just ate and just breathed and just mm-hmm. I wouldn't even try to think but I, I still had thoughts and feelings that came up but like I just I just was you know yeah absolutely I think we I keep saying we I'll speak to my own experience <laughs> <laughs> this stuff can be uncomfortable like I just want to give a little disclaimer that I and we potentially are not often used to just sitting and being right. We we're in a world that values fast pace, doing being productive with every second of your time. And we forget that, you know, we work in rhythms. And I think I brought it up the last time I chatted with you, Eric, was this this idea of we know the 80-20 rule, right? But then there's a 90-20 kind of rule. And, and that's the relationship between work and rest or activity and rest. And it's all throughout, it's seen all throughout businesses. It's seen in, you know, competitive Olympian athletes. It's this idea that we operate best and we require rest. And that is part of The book obviously is changing your pace um, in order to pay greater attention. And it's also important to recognize that it's something that feels really unfamiliar or it can. I've read a fantastic quote and I I should have grabbed it, but it, it really it essentially states that, you know, something that is really intimidating and um, feels most uncomfortable to humans is the idea of just kind of sitting in a room with yourself and being with yourself. And yet it's such an essential practice, this idea of, you know, silence, stillness and solitude. And I've tried to incorporate those three things throughout the book um, in small doses, right? Because I've read my fair share of of self-development and and meditation or mindfulness books that demand on day one that you sit twice a day and meditate for 30 minutes. I mean, that's a massive call to action, right? That's a big ask, Uh, even for a seasoned meditator to sit for an hour a day. I wanted to make things a little bit more accessible, I suppose, and just simpler to integrate into the everyday, um, yet still with those, those benefits and with that kind of that ability and that practice of connecting with yourself amidst this seemingly chaotic world of, you know, information overload. And I do feel like rest is a big part of it, even if it's just like a five minute moment, right? Make and eat breakfast. Give your your mind that five minute rest of from from all this stimulus and just find 
find or carve out those small sections of time, pockets of time throughout your day to check in with yourself, to see how you're doing. Even if it feels uncomfortable, you can recognize, okay, I'm feeling uncomfortable with this. I Maybe I don't do this very often. And that's an okay realization to come to because it's a reality for a lot of people. Like you are not alone in that discomfort. So just you know, remind yourself that you're allowed to feel whatever comes up. You're allowed to struggle with even five minutes of stillness or silence or solitude. Like that's okay. But it's important that even through that discomfort, you also recognize that you're putting in the effort, right? And even if it is uncomfortable, if you're committed to this process and you're interested in, you know, doing a series of practices that will add intention and mindfulness to your life that amidst the discomfort, you're going to show up again tomorrow. And whether that's the practice of making and eating breakfast, I mean, there's there's uncomfortable practices in there, detoxing from social media or assessing and addressing the things that you're worried about or big goals that you have or forgiving someone. You know, there there's a lot in there that will strike a chord uh, and maybe not, you know, always in a positive, um, in the sense of a positive feeling, like some of it might be quite emotional. But again, just like give yourself a little bit of permission to slow down and to feel the things that come up. And, and just a, a little reminder not to put so much pressure on yourself. I think that's the key right there. And, and as you're describing those different things that are in the book, I, I couldn't help but think that, yeah, there are going to be a spectrum of reactions to de- to these different days. Uh, because mm-hmm. they said, you know, we're, I just picked two so far that were from the, the physical area, breakfast, making, making and eating breakfast, and then uh, day 10, uh, eating without distraction. Now that's just food and that, and that's a, a physical thing we do, but there's, and there's other physical things. Um, right. but you, you break it down and then you move over into emotional and rational and spiritual and, and occupational and, and network. And I, you know, I can't help but think that these all, kind of flow into each other again and you know the whole you know the acronym person people are going to maybe struggle with an a a specific area i think more so than bits and pieces of it like somebody who's not aware somebody who's not aware of physical they may have the issue or they may have the bigger issue right out of the gate um yeah some are going to find some are going to stumble on the spiritual side of things a bit. And then some, you know, at the very end, they're going to struggle on network because their relationships haven't necessarily been something that they've had intentional attention on. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, but, but all of this is to say that it's, it's all about, this is one time you get to be selfish in a good way, you know, by going through these and, because it's about mindfulness. It's about, it's about yourself. It's about your mm-hmm. relationship, not only to yourself, but to then your your relationship to others. It's uh, it's come up a couple of times recently. The whole idea of you know p- we're not all on planes right now, um, right? But it's that you know the the air mask comes down and you put yours on first, and then you assist others. And I think that's the thing is that we've got people who really need to secure their own air mask with the practices in this book in order to then step up and assist others. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that idea, it's a the idea of taking care of yourself 
sort of the connotations around that, you know, that that is that self-care is or self-investment is selfish and self-indulgent. I mean, come on, like, it's just not true (laughs) at all. And I talk about this when I'm when I'm, oh, gosh, all the time. I mean, whether I'm doing a workshop or with clients or like just challenging these these perceptions, like it's just can we get rid of that? You know, like, can we just in the next year and in like the following years to come, can we just get over this idea that taking care of yourself is selfish because we live in this interconnected web that is humanity. Okay. I'll use me. Let's say I haven't resolved some, I don't know, some past like anger towards this person. And so every time somebody does or says something that triggers that memory or that feeling, I'm going to lash out or I'm just going to, you know, close up or whatever my response is because of that trigger. That is going to impact me. It's going to impact whoever said or done something that's triggered that response. It's going to impact all of these like peripheral connections that I have when I'm getting a cup of coffee, when I'm paying for my groceries, when I'm whatever it might be. Like we carry around our feelings and our experiences and our thoughts and our emotions and how we feel in our bodies and how we relate to other people. Like that is all encompassed inside your body, in your emotions, in your mind. And so it is not only like our power, our ability to check in with ourselves, to see how we're doing and to resolve some of that stuff. But it's also our responsibility. Like we, we owe that to ourselves. Yes. Because I mean, don't you want to be more intentional? Don't you want to live more deliberately and be more engaged and present and, and alive and fulfilled and free and joyful in your life? Like, I mean, I know I do. And also, don't you want that for the people around you in your community? Don't you want to make, you know, positive waves and ripples in your interactions with people, in the work that you do, in in the like every step that you take in in this world? <laughs> Maybe I'm getting a bit too too out there right now, but I really I mean, I've I've worked in a lot of different fields, but in my work previously in social work and in counseling, I've seen firsthand and we've all seen firsthand, you know, the the effects of a bad mood, like your bad mood on someone else. That's not just affecting you, but I've seen it on on broader scales as well. And man, I really do believe that we not only have this amazing like capacity, this consciousness of looking ourselves in the eye, in the mirror and being like, Hey, there's a person in there and I need to connect with that person for my sake and for the sake of others. But we really also have a responsibility to do that, you know, to deal with our own stuff, however uncomfortable the process so that whenever triggered or whenever, you know, our mood shifts because of whatever happens so that we're not projecting the stuff that we're carrying onto, you know, whoever happens to be in our path. I just feel like that 
is not the way you want to live. And there is another option. And honestly, it just takes a little bit of practice of paying attention and that regular consistent like commitment to coming back to yourself. Again, it doesn't have to be revolutionary. I'm not, you know, asking you to pay thousands of dollars to come to my three-day event. Like it's really not like that. It just takes a little bit of work and and some regular practice. I think one of the things that, that I, it hit me as I was thinking about this was there are other things that we don't think of as selfish, like metaphorically, this is like changing the oil in, in your car. You know, it's a yeah. maintenance thing, right? It's like, it's just maintenance for yourself. That's what self-care is. It's it's like, it's maintenance for yourself. Somebody wouldn't say, oh no, why are you wasting time changing that oil? Well, because... One, it gets me where it makes it so that the car runs and I can do, you know, I can get me places, but it also means I can get you places. Like if I need to help you move or if I need to take you to an appointment, you know, those kinds of things, Totally, you know, the metaphor stands. So I I really think, you know, yeah. So anyway, and there's probably other metaphors like that. And this, all we're saying is this is like. I don't want to carry this metaphor too far because it doesn't go. T- it doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> I could do that too. You could, but um, but this is again. This is like you're already doing some of this stuff. This is just adding one extra little layer of mm-hmm. uh, perspective and or or process or perspective on process uh, as you do the thing that again you're probably already doing. Or if you're not already doing it, it's not that hard to start doing or do this one time and and test it and see if this is something that moves the needle for you at all. And you want to try and make it a consistent. I mean, this 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 whole book could just be a, hey, try this and see if this is a good habit for you kind of book. Honestly, that's exactly that's the idea. I mean, I want you to view it as a bit of an experiment. Try it out, even if it's something that you're like, oh, I'm I don't eat breakfast. Okay. Well, just sit down at your table for five minutes in the morning. Like this is here as a bit of a framework, a bit of like a guidance and support and suggestion, but you can make it your own. And I mean, you ought to because it's your life, but also be willing to, you know, play with it a little bit and and give it a try. If it's something that you're interested, even if you're not entirely sure what it might look like, just do your own version of it. And I mean, that's life, isn't it? It's all just sort of a, a an experiment. I don't even, I try not to use the word should, and I try not to use the word trial and error because I, I feel like it's just, it can be a bit more playful than that. It's not like you've tried and made a mistake or failed. No, no, it doesn't work like that. You've just tried it and now you've learned from it because it's either a something you want to integrate into your life on a regular or semi-regular basis or b you now know that actually that's i, I was right that's not that's maybe not something that i'm interested in and that's great now you've either learned something or you've confirmed something that you already know and either way you've taken that time you've made that you know time and energy investment into yourself and into your own you know well-being and the well-being of others And now you've either way, you've taken away something from it. 
Yeah. Well, instead instead of the words trial and error, maybe it's just experiment and experience. You know, Ooh, you, I like that. You know, you tried an experiment and now you have the experience of that experiment. And now you can use that experience to make a new decision or try another experiment. I love that. Is so, and that's what life is, isn't it? Yes. So yeah. oh my gosh. I, I honestly I am really looking to I've got some time off uh coming up and I'm going to kind of pick and choose some of these, but then also set up like mm-hmm. a, you know, a 108 days kind of a thing where I just go through them all in a row. But I think this is a perfect time of year for people to do some of these things is we're going to be home. We're going to have, you know, time off, hopefully. And uh, that's, you know, <laughs> that would be rest, I hope. Um, but this is the kind of stuff that you need to be thinking about and doing and not in a, all right, let's get geared up for New Year's resolutions kind of a thing and kick right. your ear off, right? No, who cares? I don't care about that. I, I want you, I want you to make a small incremental change, uh, of, of mindfulness and awareness and attention and intention, uh, for, for closing out this year and starting a new one. So, mm-hmm. Melissa, is there a place where people can go find out more about the book, t- you know, take a look at it, all that kind of stuff? Uh, I'd love to direct people to where they can find out more and grab it. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say head to my website, which is melissasteganis.com. You can even go to melissasteganis.com slash mindful for information on where to buy the book. There's also uh, a number of different workbooks that I've created there and a list actually of all of the different practices in each section of the book. So that is probably the best go-to place. But of course, the book is available you know, a- across platforms, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, a a number of different indie shops. So really wherever you buy your books, look up Everyday Mindfulness by Melissa Steganis and you're very likely to find it. Awesome. I really hope people go and do that and find some benefit from it as I have been, you know, taking careful attention as I've looked at the exercises and realized like I need more of this. I know a lot of people need more of this in their life right now. Melissa, thank you so much for being here. And again, open invitation when you've got something to talk about, we're, we're ready to talk again. So thanks so much for being here. (laughs) Thanks so much, Eric. What a pleasure. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Melissa Steganis. I know that I enjoyed focusing on mindfulness in this conversation. And again, I think this is the perfect time to start to hone in and practice these mindfulness practices, some of which you probably are already doing some component of. But that said, I know there's always more to learn and practice and do. And I just thought this is a great way to, to again, tie a bow on this year and then put it behind us and move forward into the future with lessons learned and practices gained and habits formed, especially the habit of mindfulness. So if you've enjoyed this conversation, would you do me the favor of sharing this episode with somebody you know needs to hear it right now? Hit that share button in whatever podcast player app of choice you're using. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for listening. And I will see you next episode.